Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock Damn, Nigel. Hammer's over there through 16 days in Indianapolis, Hammer. 11 homicides. That is not a good start to 2023. I feel like, look, I, I wasn't here yesterday. Guy Relford was filling in. Don't we, doesn't this show usually start off Mondays by talking about the crime stats? We did. We did this yesterday. Yeah. I know this kind of feels like Groundhog's Day, but we did the usual Monday uh, routine of updating the city on what happened over the weekend. And it was a violent weekend. Four people killed over the weekend. The reason we're talking about it again is that we have finally heard from the mayor of the city. One boss hogset, old Diamond Joe, finally spoke up. Now, he spoke to Channel 13, WTHR, and take a listen to this. I want you to just take a listen on your own and then tell me what you think afterwards. We were very um, encouraged by the investments that we've been making. Uh, given the fact that our overall criminal homicide number in 2022 was below not only that of 2021, but also 2020. Um, But we realize that um, we have a long way to go, uh, but we have two more years of a three-year investment. Yeah, so another victory lap. And then what happens after after the investment's gone? And then, and then, what? <laughs> I, I just, it's a surprise to me that somebody actually popped their head out and made a comment after a violent weekend in the city because you usually don't hear from anybody except uh, police officers, law enforcement. You don't hear from political officials at all. Listen, I don't expect him to come out and be like, everybody run for your lives. But you have to address that for two straight years, January has been a very violent month. All right, congratulations. We did not set a homicide record last year. Yay. As a matter of fact, last year's homicide total wasn't even second place. It was third all-time in the city. You would have thought we were back down below 100 homicides a year when you listened to Joe Hogsett speak. And is there a reason for optimism? Maybe. You know, once these security cameras get in place and maybe some more funding comes in, okay. Yeah, and I think they've already been using the gunshot detection technology. So, but, but don't act like everything is fine right now because it's not. Because as of right now, Indianapolis is on pace for another all-time record. When you look at the numbers, when Joe Hogsett gave that interview to Channel 13, it was after a weekend where 11 homicides, I'm sorry, where four homicides took place. 17 people were shot or stabbed. So a person was shot or stabbed every four hours in the city of Indianapolis this past weekend, and that's when he made that comment. And like I say, I said usually it's it's crickets from everybody from the top down, from Hogshead to the city county council after a violent weekend. We never hear really anything from anybody. And the other concerning part about that comment was, yeah, yeah, we're like yeah, two years into a three-year investment. 
What happens after those investment dollars are gone? What happens after we get done throwing all the money we can at this thing? And that's good. I'm glad we are funding the police. I'm glad we are trying to actively recruit IMPD officers. But what what happens after that that uh, that federal COVID money goes away? Anybody anybody got any ideas? I mean, you can throw money at it all you want, but if you still have socialist, um, uh, liberal policies in the liberal, uh, the the revolving door of the criminal justice system, uh, making its way through the city, you know, spinning its way every weekend, you can throw all the money at it you want. It's not going to work because you saw violent criminals out on the streets, habitual violent criminals that are constantly being let out. If you know somebody that was shot, stabbed, or killed this past weekend. Does that make you feel any better? That statement from Joe Hogsett right there, trying to shove sunshine up your backside. Well, we've gone down the last two years. We were only a top three all-time homicide last year. Does that make you feel any better at all? Do you feel safer is the question. Yeah. Um, I stayed downtown uh, with some friends, with the kids over the weekend, and I... You know, walking through the mall, walking outside, had an early dinner downtown. I didn't say, I'm not going to sit there and say like, oh, you know, I'm looking over my shoulder constantly every second of when I'm out in public. But at the same time, I'm definitely keeping my eyes open, which I think is probably a good policy for anybody anyway. Right. Because there's always going to be those people that do what you do and they go to the mall or they go to a hotel or they go to a restaurant and they'll do the video for social media. I'm walking through downtown. I haven't been shot yet. Everybody at WIBC is so hysterical. Fear mongering. The numbers speak for themselves. This past weekend in Indianapolis, somebody was shot or stabbed every four hours. That's not okay. That's not acceptable. And no matter how you try to spin it, there has to be some sort of answer. But as we talked about yesterday, Nige, you were out. Guy Relford was here. Maybe we're the minority here because 60% of the voters voted for Ryan Mears to get his job back. They vote for the same city county counselors to come back, the same judges to come back. Maybe we are just a small group of people who are concerned that things are not going in the right direction where everybody else is clearly saying, hot damn, we love it. Somebody shot or stabbed every four hours. Keep voting that in. By the way, just a side note here. I mentioned that we uh, we had dinner downtown. Guess what time the reservations were? I mean, just take, I mean, like over or under. Um, you and your wife, you're a guy that goes to bed pretty early. So I'm going to say dinner was probably five o'clock. 3.30. Harry and Izzy's baby. (laughs) Were you watching Matlock together afterwards? We had the kids in tow and we had some friends with us and their kids are the same age. Wow. So, uh, yeah, we were back at the place (laughs) by 5.30 or 6. The early bird special, huh? There's no such thing at Harry and Izzy's on a Saturday, trust me. But You uh, and Jerry Seinfeld's dad (laughs) hanging out? <laughs> Morty. Yeah, me and Morty were bellied up at the bar. Uh, <laughs> big story locally and nationally in the world of politics. Jim Banks yeah. officially announcing his run for U.S. Senate. Uh, just won a House seat last election, beating the brakes. I mean, he just beat the hell out of that one clown with the uh, liberal tin can and a string <laughs> podcasting network. Uh, God, he beat the crap out of that guy. Uh, but he's now saying, I want to run for Senate. 
He's the first one of the major players to officially say, I'm in it to win it. We're anticipating some other names like Victoria Sparts and maybe Mitch Daniels. The mudslinging's kind of already starting here, Nige. Well, I mean, Banks is is running on America First agenda. I liked his political ad. Solid in terms of conveying his conservative agenda, military service, family, pro-Trump, national security. It's pro-America agenda, but this is a guy that lost his bid for majority whip, that position in the House. Maybe he thinks he hit the ceiling there. He maybe could be more effective as one of the most 100 powerful people in the country. I'm curious to know, though, you know, Mike Braun sat in this, in this room as a senator here a few months ago before he decided to officially say that he was running for governor and said, yeah, I can't, it just doesn't seem like I could get a lot done in the Senate. Right. Which One kinda, which new when, person, you know, especially a new person, you know, you can't change anything. The swamp is a powerful force. But man, you, the, all those guys you mentioned, everybody's p- pretty well known in the state. Sparks has a national profile. She's on cable news all the time for her perspective on the war in Ukraine. Uh, she immigrated here in 2000. Uh, Governor Mitch Daniels, huge name in this state. My man Mitch served uh, Governor, what, 05 to 12 or 13, and then uh, big success as president of the Purdue University until the end of last year. And then, well, Holcomb is it's Holcomb. <laughs> Governor Holcomb's probably worried about how climate change is going to affect all of us, and will we even be alive by 2023, or will the climate change kill all of us? Right about now, you're about to be possessed by the sounds of MC Rawface and DJ EZ. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. It's just a debate going on right now with uh, the Gen Zers who have said they're ditching the idea of a two-week notice when they leave a job. As a form of self-care. Wait a minute. We don't have to give two-week notice anymore? Not apparently, according to this TikToker named Jordan the Stallion. I hate saying this. Well, if Jordan the Stallion has said it, who am I to disagree? (laughs) Let me, let me, I'll, I'll... I'd say maybe he has somewhat of a point here. Let's play the auto. You tell me what you think. This new generation of workers, right, they are realizing that two-week notices are useless because a two-week notice is so a job can get prepared to replace you, right? It's a respect thing. However, a job can fire you at any point in time. Why would you respect a company who doesn't even see you as a person? They just see you as a replaceable asset. So his point was, look, the company or corporation you work for could really technically just boom you know, fire you, kick you out the door and not give you any notice, but you have to respect them if you want to leave and go for another job. So that's his point. I see maybe where he's coming from. For me, it would be a, a thing of maybe respecting my other coworkers who I would leave in the lurch. Right. If I just all of a sudden picked up and moved off. And it doesn't matter really if he's right or wrong anyway it's the next job that he's going to you you want to make sure you have uh, references positive references the next job you go to unless you've already got the gig true right that's a good point man kylan are you technically gen z kylan's our producer today do you fall into the gen z category i am but i will give a disclaimer i do not agree with everything we're doing Okay, so with that being said, are you a two-week notice person? 100%. 
I also think it depends on if you like the job or not. Like, I love what I do here. If for whatever reason I left, I would give two weeks notice. If I hated my job and I hated everybody (laughs) I worked with and everybody I worked with was Rob Kendall, then no, (laughs) absolutely not. If I worked at McDonald's, maybe, then something happened and I was like, okay, nope, this is it. The boss said something super disrespectful. Yeah, that, yeah. But no, I would prefer to. Hey, man, I worked at the Kroger Deli in Brownsburg for one day and didn't come back when I was a teenager. It was miserable. How did they treat you there, though? It's not, it wasn't just how they treated me. It was fine, but I was, I was, I was 17 years old working with like five 65 year old women that are probably all gone now. Oh, no. (laughs) Like, honestly, you just do the math. I'm 46. Kind of got dark real quick. And it just, it it was like, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. It it was such a long day. Like, I, I didn't even, I, I didn't even expect a paycheck. I didn't even fill out the stuff to get my, uh, first paycheck. I was done. I didn't. I didn't come back. No. Well, notice, who's laughing no, now? Yeah. You're here and they're dead. <laughs> Who got the last laugh now, baby? <laughs> Dateline Buffalo. A Buffalo man who saved the lives of over 20 people during that big snowstorm that hit Western New oh, York. Yeah. Would he break into a school or something? Was That's awarded what, yeah. two Super Bowl tickets mm. by the Buffalo Bills for his quick thinking and bravery. He broke into the school, helped others that were stranded get shelter. Here he is being surprised with the tickets. On behalf of the Highmark, Blue Cross, and Blue Shield and the Buffalo Bills, we wanted to surprise you today. Two tickets to the Super Bowl. We love you. We know what you did on Christmas Eve was very heroic, and you're our hero. And the Bills and Highmark want to present you with these tickets to go watch the Super Bowl. You know, there's just somebody somewhere. I'm so cynical. This is bad. But Guy Relford had and I were talking about the original story this week, and I was like, you know, there's somebody somewhere in Buffalo that was considering maybe writing this guy an invoice for the damage that he had to do to break into the school. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like the like Waffle House somebody... people, like they did the waitress in the Waffle House brawl. They charged oh, right. her with the damage. With the, yeah, because she broke a salt shaker. Defending herself like from a flying right. chair. I guarantee there is somebody somewhere in Buffalo sitting around some bureaucrat in a town hall just thinking of ways that could go after this guy, even though he saved 20 people and was able to provide shelter for them by, by breaking into the school. You're right. No good Isn't deed goes sucks? unpunished now, man. You're 100% right. Hey, he's going right. to the Super Bowl, though. That's pretty cool. And the Bills got a shot to be there, too. They're really good. They got a big game coming up against the Bengals uh, this weekend. There were some good games this weekend. There were. Like for the 49ers one sucked, but man, I, I actually was able to stay up for the Jacksonville game. <laughs> the big comeback. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't believe that game. And that how about was the, unbelievable. Uh, the Dolphins. Nobody thought with a third string quarterback they'd be competitive. Yeah. They gave Buffalo yeah, all yeah, they yeah. wanted and more. And last night, Tom Brady uh, got knocked out. First round of the playoffs by the Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys game was interesting last night because as good as they were offensively, special teams, not so much. Their kicker missed four straight extra points. Uh, This is uh, Troy Aikman, former Cowboys quarterback, who was also on the broadcast team talking about what he was seeing. And now the drama of Brett Maher trying to hit an extra point. He's missed three tonight, four in a row. And he has done it again. He might be looking for a kicker next week. 
Oh. This is a 24 to nothing game. That is four missed extra points tonight. And you just feel horrible for him. And again, not not field goals. Extra points. Right. Which are generally, I would assume, a little bit easier because they're at the they're at the same place every time. Right. Now and the league after, did move them back a few years did, ago, yeah, but like five still, or ten yards. NFL kicker, you should hit an extra point. Certainly one out of four at the bare minimum. <laughs> he did hit the fifth one. So congratulations. You won the game and you were one for five on extra points. Uh, at halftime, it was crazy because they had a microphone on Jerry Jones. He was up in the suite, the Cowboys owner. Oh, yeah. This is what he had to say about the kicker. Get that son of a bitch off the field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. They should have been fired a long time ago. I think we got a show. Oh yeah, we got a show. We definitely got a show. On 93 WIBC. Oh yeah! Polls, polls, polls. So many polls. Ron DeSantis... Governor of Florida would beat Biden if the presidential election was held today, according to a recent poll. After an earlier survey of GOP voters also said and predicted that he'd hammer Trump in a primary. So this is interesting. It's over 1,000 voters in this survey and 45% said they would choose Ron DeSantis over Joe Biden at 42%. Now, 49% would say Joe Biden beats Donald Trump in the same election at 41%. So when you compare that to the poll from last month, Suffolk University said 56% of Republican voters backing DeSantis in the Republican primary, 33 mm. for Donald Trump. So this is interesting. We talked earlier about how Jim Banks has announced he's running for the Senate seat from Indiana. He's made it known he's a Trump guy. He's friends with Donald Trump. He's going to have Donald Trump try to stump for him here in Indiana. Let's see. Let's see if the old man, the old orange guy still has that same magic and if he's going to move the needle one way or the other for a guy like Jim Banks. We're so far out. It, we're so far out. I mean, DeSantis can afford to just sit back, put his feet up on his desk, put his hands behind his head, and just kind of watch how things play out. So Donald Trump. And he's sitting on a boatload of cash. That's true. Yeah. Trump did a podcast last night, and he was asked about Ron DeSantis. And take a listen to this. I thought this was really interesting. Trump basically says he wouldn't have won without me and We'll handle things the way that I handle things. I got him elected, pure and simple. He would have never, if I if I said I wasn't going to endorse you, uh, and I was, well, you know, there was no reason to go wild about endorsing him. He was very nice in the sense of the uh, Mueller hoax. You know, he was one of about a hundred congressmen who but, fought for me, and so you know, I felt I felt I might as well endorse him because I didn't know Adam Putnam. But uh, he was at three. He was ready to drop out of the race. It was all done. Adam Putnam had that that nomination locked up, you know, the Republican nomination for governor of Florida. He had it locked up. It was done. 
And when I, uh, as Adam Putnam said to me when I met him a year later, I didn't know him at all, but I saw him. He said it was like a uh, nuclear bomb went off, a yeah. nuclear weapon went off when you endorsed him. And the race was over. He said he didn't even spend his money. There was no way he could have beaten him after I endorsed him. So, you know, now I hear he might want to run against me. So we'll handle that the way I handle things. <laughs> How's that, Mr. President, giving him a funny nickname? Right. He already did that. Ron in DeSanctimonious. Ron, Ron, Ron DeSanctimonious. Yeah. 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 That's... I don't know. That one doesn't roll off the tongue as much as, you know, Lion Chuck or Crooked Hillary. We'll handle, the th we'll, we'll handle things the way I handle things. Giving him a nickname, laughing at him, and making fun of his height. <laughs> um, Sounds like Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men. I run my unit how I run my unit. <laughs> That's reminded me of that. Uh, race baiter Joy Reid mm. had a longtime Democrat strategist James Carville. The Raging Cajun on her race baiting program on MSNBC. I think that's the name of the show, Race, race baiting. baiting with Joy Reid. Um, <laughs> now, take a listen to this. She was looking for James Carville, this respected, longtime voice of Democratic politics, former advisor to Clinton. She was expecting him to play along and talk about how Joe Biden's classified documents are really nothing compared to what they found at Mar-a-Lago, and the Department of Justice really needs to just focus on Donald Trump. Well, that didn't really happen. Blurring these two stories will blunt the Justice Department's will when it comes to acting when it comes to Trump. What do you think? The national press can't help but make fools of themselves. Uh, it happened in Whitewater. <laughs> it happened in the email scandal, and this happened now. I can't stop these people. But it's my, my, my anointed job in the world to stop the national press from making a fool of itself. The White House response should be this and only this. The president is cooperating fully with the special counsel. He expects everyone in his administration to do the same. End of story. No Corbett's. No, it was in this box or that box. He is, we're thoroughly doing this. Yeah. The special counsel has an investigation to run. President Biden has a country to run. Get on with it. <laughs> and Joy Reid's eyes yeah. opened up the size of a moon when he mentioned that the national media are basically a bunch of clowns. And doesn't that just prove to you, again, they don't care about they only care about Trump. They're so scared of Trump. It's Trump this, Trump that. We only care about how we could stop Trump from running. And boy, the DOG and Merrick Garland really, really came down hard on President Biden, and they appointed a special counsel. And this is going to really blunt that, blunt the move to just like it's not about the files anymore. It's not about whatever's on these stupid classified documents. Right? Which, which you know, I don't care what's on them anyway. It's probably I, really nothing on both sides, honestly. It, it really is, but that's not the point anymore. The point is Trump's house was raided. Uh, the national corporate elite media treated it like it was a national security emergency. Right. And now you get Joy Reid saying, well, well this is going to really hurt the case to uh, prosecute Trump. Well, no. Where's Don Jr.? No bleep! Who could have seen that one coming? Merrick Garland was backed into a corner, the Attorney General. I mean, if he if he goes after Trump and doesn't go after Biden, which, by the way, they knew about Joe Biden and those files before the midterm elections. They knew about it. 
and it was not leaked. Nobody said word one. The most transparent administration in the history of the president, <laughs> Joe Biden, uh, never said anything. He knew he was being investigated, never said a word. So yesterday was MLK Day, and there were special events taking place all over the country. In Baltimore, they had a big scholarship announcement. It was the mayor of Baltimore and the CEO of the Baltimore Orioles. His name is John Angelos. And the event took place at Camden Yards, which is the home stadium of the Baltimore Orioles. So you've got the Orioles CEO. It's at the Orioles Park. And they're passing out scholarship money. Well, they had the press there. One reporter had heard rumors that the Orioles, because of their financials, were thinking about moving. So I'm going to play you a couple pieces of audio here. Let me know whose side you're on, the reporter or the CEO of the Orioles. Let's start with the reporter. John, you, you have said many times that the Orioles are staying here for the long haul. But there are questions about what's going on with the Angelos family situation. Um, he brought up the lease. There's, there's other questions concerning your ownership of this team. What is your situation and your plan, given some of the things that have been swirling for the Orioles and the Angelos family in a year, three years, five years, ten years? What do you see as your relationship with this team? And also, do you have any concerns about – setting things up like this mayor and then have you know a change in ownership and it not being the angelos family what so what would i have a problem with so far well i'm glad that you bring that up let's go to the ceo of the orioles with all due respect that's not an appropriate subject matter for this day this Ah. day is about young people that's not appropriate so i'm going to object to that question today in this forum before the mayor of Baltimore and all of these people. Do we, do we understand each other? Do you, do you understand my complaint? I'm not asking well, you. No, no I, wait I, a second. I, I want to finish my comment because I'm going to answer your you question. You just asked me a question. That's why I was going to comment. But you go ahead. You finish yourself. You know, I find that to be highly inappropriate, and I think that your focus is completely out of touch and has no perspective whatsoever on what real-world people face and what the real pillar and role of an organization like the Orioles and Ravens ought to be. My family owns over 70% of the Orioles. You, you want to write that down? I know that. Keep going. Well, that's funny you do. Know. I don't think most people know that, actually. Well, I, I get paid to cover your team, but go ahead. So you what, see what, where this is going, yeah, right? This, this guy, this is the, the CEO is hiding behind MLK Day, and he didn't have to go there at all. He could have said, yeah, look, uh, I'm not sure what's going on yet. We'll figure things out. I don't have a definitive answer. We love Baltimore. Um, we've always been here. Um, my focus today is on MLK Day. But the angrier this guy gets, the more the reporter has a legitimate point, I think, in asking the question. Let's hear a little bit more. I would invite you and all your colleagues next week, not on Martin Luther King Day. You can come back to this building. You can meet me in this office. I'll take you down on the third floor, and I'll show you the financials of the Orioles. I'll show you the governance of the Orioles. I'll show you everything you want to know, and I'll put all your questions. But today, on MLK Day, I'm not answering any of those questions. 
Okay, well, let me just respond very quickly and say No, no, that, I don't want you to respond. Well, I just, I'm well, not going to entertain those questions on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Which is the day that you set up for us to talk to you. This is the <laughs> second time that we have spoken to you in four years. Openly. Let's take another question. So Let's take, and, another, and let me let's finish, take another question. Let me ask one more question here. No, I'm not going to let you ask any more <laughs> questions because you're highly, it's highly inappropriate on the day on Martin said, Luther King Jr. Day. So the CEO, who, according to the reporter, hasn't spoken to the press, you know, no more than twice in four years, has a press conference at the ballpark where the Orioles play. He's the CEO of the Orioles, and he's shocked he's getting questions about the (laughs) Orioles. Did not need to. I mean, obviously, the reporter struck a nerve. Because it didn't need to be like that. Don't hide behind MLK Day. Don't insult MLK Day like that. You're hiding behind that day to to avoid the question. By the was this in Baltimore? Was Baltimore where they unveiled the big statue that looked like it's, it was very phallic statue? That was Boston. That was Boston, Boston right? Yeah, the two hands holding the crank. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it like that, but since you. <laughs> That's what the statue looked like. I'm sorry. It's, it's very odd. It is very strange looking to me. <sighs> so hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, at Hammer and Nigel. You can follow us on Instagram, too. But whose side are you on there? The reporter yeah. or the CEO of the Orioles? Whose side you got at Hammer and Nigel? <laughs> Fun fact, Nigel. This song was about Kokomo, Indiana. No, it's not. Hip hugger, and you wanna touch her. <laughs> the reason we're playing Kokomo from the Beach Boys. Uh, this song, according to UltimateClassicRock.com, has made the list of most hated songs. UltimateClassicRock.com put together oh, wow. okay. a list of the most hated songs and albums. Uh, Kokomo by the Beach Boys came in at number two. My, I don't mind this song. I think I remember liking it when I was a kid. You know who's playing the bongos in this song, right? Stamos, right? Freaking John Stamos, that's who. Uh, number one on the list. Care to make a guess? Most hated song of all time, according to uh, classicrock.com. Share uh, in there anywhere? I don't know. I have no clue. It's an Aerosmith song. No, the big power ballad, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Wow, no, that was a huge hit. From the Armageddon soundtrack. Huge hit. What are they talking about? Number three, Studio by Phil Collins. Number four. Wait, so Studio is on the list? I love that song. UltimateClassicRock.com says it's number three of the most hated songs. Okay, whatever. Billy Joel checks in at number four with We Didn't Start the Fire. No. Now, remember a couple years ago when the Democrats had a big full stage of people doing their first uh, Democratic debate. Hammer and Nigel Records had a We Didn't Start the Fire tribute to all of the losers that were taking part. We want to welcome the Democratic candidate for President of the United States... Will you be paying more in taxes? Yes, you will. Bullock, Ryan, Bernie, Pocahontas, <laughs> Mayor Pete, everything for free. Don Lemons, your MC. Hickenlooper, Delaney, Beto saying, I'm sorry. Marianne Williamson, will she be stoned again? Minnesota's <laughs> Klobuchar, poll numbers are subpar. Has a reputation that she'll beat you with a baseball bat. Worse than a mosquito bite. CNN ate tonight. You're a vegan. I am. What's that like? <laughs> 
And uh, I like that song. Number you know, five on the list of most hated songs, Shiny Happy People by R.E.M. Yeah, whatever. What are some of the albums? Um, coming What's in number at number one? one was Allman and Woman. This is Greg Allman and oh, Cher. Oh, Cher. I mentioned Cher. Yeah. They were... <laughs> I think she broke up on the tour and like just went home. That was a that was a failure. Yeah. To the hard way came in at number one. Uh, Bob Dylan number two with never self portrait. Liked, never liked Dylan anyway. Who cares? Emerson Lake and Palmer check in at number three with Love, Love Beach. Beach. Yeah, they broke up after that. <laughs> it was so bad they didn't even tour on it. I'm sensing a trend here. Yeah. Uh, Kiss, the music from The Elder, yeah, comes they, in at four. They never toured after that. That was Ace Frehley's last album, I think. And coming in at number five, <laughs> unfinished music number one, Two Virgins. Oh, dear God. Okay. John Mary. Lennon and Yoko that Ono. should be number one. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Top stories next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! We are having a good time on a Tuesday. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Jason Hammer, Big Nige, back in the saddle today. Hello. And let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. Let's check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Happy birthday, dear <laughs> Kajan, Kajan, Katanji drowned Jackson. <laughs> it's an updated version of the intros. That's our new one, yes. Kajan, 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 Kajan. Happy birthday, <laughs> Oh, man. Fantastic. That was all from one day. Yeah, that was that all was yesterday. yesterday. I missed it. Uh, so today, and I'm looking at my watch here, it's 4.07 on the 17th of January. We're almost three years after the beginning of the pandemic, and yet the Biden administration, they're back in federal court today oh. trying to get the mask mandates back on planes, trains, and Various different automobiles, Nige. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say they found more classified documents in Dr. (laughs) Jill's bra closet. Maybe there's some there, perhaps. This is is a mask update. I forgot about this thing. Yeah, because the the Florida judge uh, basically kicked it to the curb uh, a couple of months ago. The 11th Circuit of Appeals in Miami hearing arguments today over a federal mask Uh. mandate. So back in April, as you brought up, Nige, the judge in Florida said, all right, we're done here with the mask mandates uh, for planes and other types of transportation. Well, the CDC and the Biden administration, they said, well, hold on, hold on. How can we keep stroking fear into people and getting them to vote from home if they think it's free to roam about the country without a mask on? You know, just do the eyeball test. I, I think there's probably some more liberal stage. You go to the, the the airport, you see a little bit more masks. But generally, man, I, I traveled a lot last year. It, it was nothing. Nobody. A small percentage of people. My wife just texted me a big selfie on the airplane she was on this morning. And you could see the people behind her. Um, it was a full flight. Nobody. 
nobody wearing a mask, which kind of just tells you all you need to know. And if they wanted they to, they work. could wear a mask. That's of the course. thing. Of course. Of course. They don't work. And it's really a tough sell to the American public when you're back in court, you're saying we need to have this federal mask mandate back when just a few months ago you said this. The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And that's my closing argument right there. The president says pandemic's over. Yeah. Nobody's wearing masks. It feels like we're all in pretty good shape. Well, look, I will agree with uh, Tony Fauci on his stance on masks March of 2020. I don't need masks. You, need to, you don't need them. I, that's one thing I do agree with Tony Fauci on. And it's important you put the date on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because each time you talk about Tony Fauci, it's there's so- going to be a different opinion. So you have to put the proper date on it. So for those of you scoring at home, keep this in mind. Not only has Joe Biden said the pandemic's over, you know, nobody's wearing masks. We're in pretty good shape. But he's about to eliminate Title 42 at the border. And just allow anybody to come across yeah. unscreened. Oh, yeah. We don't know if they're sick, if they're healthy, if they're violent, if they're not. He's going to open up the whole damn thing, but he wants you to wear a mask on an airplane. That doesn't make it, sense. It's, they have to fight it. They have to do this or else they look like they all this talk about masking the entire time has been worthless. They have to fight it. They don't have any choice. It's political now at this point. It always has been. They extended the COVID emergency. Of course. So that's been extended. And you are seeing a couple hot spots of COVID, if you want to call them that, going back to uh, mask mandates. Yosemite National Park. They've reinstated an indoor mask mandate. I thought you were going to say outdoor mask mandate. I was going to lose it. No, that's uh, so like what, what, what do you mean? Like when you go into like a gift shop or something? When you go into the uh, gift shop and you go take a big Yosemite number two, <laughs> um, those types of situations. And you know what? If you've ever gone into Stupid. a public restroom, maybe that's where the mask mandate needs to be. The less you smell in those things, the better. No, 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 no. no. I, that's how I know the masks don't work because when we had to wear them in this building, wherever we got up from our, uh, you know, our, our little microphone here to go to the bathroom. I mean, that smell was getting through no matter what. If you had five masks strapped to your face, right. plus a KN95, plus a, 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 a chemical gas mask. Somebody, somebody in that newsroom needs to see a doctor. <laughs> because when we walk across to use the little uh, unisex bathroom, yeah, no it's mask. right here by the air studio. Yeah, so yeah, it's the yeah. quickest one for us. And time <laughs> is a factor. Like the other day, I'm not joking. I walked yeah. in there, I walked right back out and said, someone needs to go to jail. <laughs> Unbelievable. Call the police. Uh, so again, in court today, the Biden administration trying to bring back the mask mandate, but pretty much everybody else is saying this. Take his mask yeah. and shut. Steve Stewart. Wearing it no more. It's been a little bit. Y'all look at me. Like, like I'm a son of a Wear it in the store. Don't even try to make me put it on and I'll walk in out the door. Big finish. Take his mask and shove it. I ain't wearing it no more. And if you want to wear the thing, go ahead. There are people at the grocery store that have the mask on. You know what? I'm not going to bother them. Good for you. Knock yourself out. I see 
yeah, smattering here and there. I was out and about a little bit Saturday downtown. Restaurant was pretty full, even though my reservation was at three thirty. It's still a full pl- it's packed place. People are going out. I, I have this theory: people are revenge eating out. People revenge like you know the past couple of two years. People were told they got to stay home, and it was it was bad advice to begin with. And I think people are just. I mean, here in Izzy's was packed on people on, were on tailgating Saturday at their seats at 3 30 <laughs> 3 30 in the afternoon so but no i mean just just do the eyeball test any crowded spot any stadium any nfl game you watched over the weekend nobody was wearing a mask and this is the thing it the should be your personal choice right if somebody sits next to me at a pacers game and they have a mask on i'm not going to laugh at them, i'm not going to point at them. I don't care yeah. but i expect you to do the same to me if i don't have one on that's all we're asking um, we're talking about Joe Biden here and an update on GarageGate. Uh, Joe Biden spent 167 days at home where classified documents were illegally stored. His corrupt crack smoking son was paying him nearly $50,000 a month in rent and there were no visitor logs. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here. So there are three questions that come from this. Number one. What the hell is he hiding there? Is it stuff that ties Hunter to the Ukraine? Yeah. Number two, who was there looking? These lawyers that don't have the proper clearance. And number three, why were they looking? Were they looking for something specific? What's going on here? There's a lot of unanswered questions with Garage Gate. When you have Hunter Biden in the laptop and obvious evidence of him trading on his father's name to gain favor and influence, especially when uh, the vice president at the time, Biden, was in charge of foreign policy of Ukraine. Now you have classified documents. Some are reported to have dealings with Ukraine in these documents. I don't know what's in them, but it seems pretty suspicious to me. When you're dealing with the Bidens, where there's smoke, there's crack, and where there's crack, there's sometimes fire. Um (laughs) Joe Rogan on his podcast, maybe this is tinfoil, maybe this is not. I've heard a couple people bring up the same angle that perhaps this is an inside job to get the old man out of the picture. I'm, they're trying to get rid of him. Yeah. That's what yeah. My guess would be they're trying to get rid of him. If all of a sudden they're, his own aides are sending these, instead of like taking these classified documents, which you have located, and go, well, let's not do that again, and locking them up somewhere. His own aides? Self-reporting? Dude. Come on, That sounds sus. Well, no one self-reported that laptop. And that's the thing. If they're so (laughs) into self-reporting, then why didn't they do it with the laptop? Why didn't they do it then? Instead, they worked with the media outlets to suppress the story. But now, hot damn, they've seen Jesus. They've seen the light. <laughs> We're all about self-reporting. Can I have the floor for just a quick second here, Nigel? All Nige? yours, man. So in our studio, we have three TVs. We have Wish TV, our news partners, uh, Fox News, our affiliate, and then we have another TV. We have Varsity Blues on the screen. It's on AMC Great right movie. now. Great movie. And the part that everybody's been waiting for, the whipped cream bikini scene. So you've got uh, this. Is that Allie Larter? Allie Larter Is coming out name? wearing the whipped cream bikini. But AMC runs a promotion at the bottom of the screen. The Mayfair Witches coming up soon on AMC. Move that thing. <laughs> Move the damn Mayfair Witches thing. We want to see the whipped cream bikini. That's what we've been standing here for the whole damn time. I, I missed it because my back is to it. So did they strategically place that over the bikini? 
I mean, there's you know no I mean? nudity like, there, but I would have liked to have seen true. the full whipped cream bikini on Allie Larder. Well, that's a shame. And they put the stupid banner ad across the bottom of it. Again, whoever is in charge of that bathroom and that decision <laughs> both need to go to Guantanamo. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. You weigh out all of the information that's been presented and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? All right. So there was a problem with a woman that was delivered to a funeral home in Iowa. Delivered? Yes. Oh, she was dead? Well, no, and that's the problem. She was in the hearse. They brought her there. Boom goes the dynamite. She's alive. Here's the 911 dispatcher reacting to the woman at the funeral home still being alive. Just so you know, this female was transported there deceased, and she is not. They are in the chapel, and she is on a cot. Wow. <laughs> That's something. Yeah. It's a miracle. <laughs> Uh, just so you know, uh, this uh, this woman who's completely nude and in a body bag, we just got her out of the freezer. She's still alive. Uh, so <laughs> She's actually sitting some, down over there in the front row. Um, actually, we do have exclusive audio of, of the person that they thought was dead. I'm not dead. I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, that sounds familiar. That That's Monty uh, Python. Uh, okay. Yeah. Can you imagine though? Yeah, like, but I, don't, I always see stuff happening like that in foreign third world countries. Where they're at the funeral, and a guy pops out of the casket like this, and everybody starts, you know, doing a rain dance or something like that. I've never heard of that. I'd love to know the circumstances of what exactly went down there. I mean, she wasn't. It wasn't like she was being delivered to. Uh, and I love the word "deliver" when we're talking about a human body. It wasn't like she's been taken to the hospital to be looked at. She, they took it. She was on her way to the funeral, right? Probably to be embalmed. Ooh. And the thing is, like from what I've heard from folks that work in, you know, like morgues and funeral homes, it's common for the bodies to move and twitch, yeah, or sometimes even pop up once in a while, just because of the blood yeah. flow and the reflexes. Like this was the case where <laughs> this woman popped up. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> Who won the Bills game? <laughs> I mean, that's that would scare that's something the caca yeah. right out of me, right. man. Uh, is this anything? A 7-Eleven in Austin, your old stomping grounds, oh, yeah. Nudge, oh, yeah. is being accused of trying to get rid of the homeless people around the store by blasting loud opera music accused. all throughout the night. <laughs> Here's what it sounds like, plus people living in the area talking about what's going on. <laughs> Nobody likes the music because it's going all night and, you know, I feel maybe they do it to try to run us off because you can hear it all night. It plays all night, all day. I can hear the music before I even got to the 7-Eleven. It's <laughs> annoying this early in the morning. Not that I don't love classical music, but this is just rude. Now, this is something for sure, and I like how you put that. They're being accused of trying to get rid of the homeless people. Yeah, they don't want a bunch of dirty drug addict homeless people hanging around their facility, so they've come up with this great, it's an awesome idea of putting up loudspeakers and blasting out opera. <laughs> Although, it feels like 
I don't know. Like, so who are the people that made this decision? Are they sitting around a boardroom? All right, you know what the homeless really hate? Getting a job? No, no, even worse than that. <laughs> Opera music. Opera music? Why did we think of that before? I mean, no one's going to masturbate in front of our store now. Yeah. Blare it! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, if if blasting Pavarotti at 11 <laughs> is going to clean up and help get, get the vagrants off your property, I'm all for it. I will pay. Uh, I will pitch in for a Kickstarter to have a dedicated opera person out here on Monument yeah, Circle. Live? Right. That would be even better if it was live. Like Opera Man performing <laughs> live. Figaro this, Figaro that. Man. We haven't seen bums out here since we started the Opera Man campaign. Is this anything? Here's an airplane passenger who takes it upon herself to announce to the entire plane that she's no longer a witch. My name is Mariah, and I love Jesus. He recently saved me. I just want you to know from a former witch, we are all collectively landing in Las Vegas, Sin City. This is something I'll stick with my uh, my my long going attitude of people being loud and obnoxious and making announcements and spectacles on airplanes. Don't mind the message. Jesus loves you. Jesus saved me. I'm no longer a witch. <laughs> it was a little wrinkle in there. <laughs> Listen, everybody, I'm no longer a I'm not a witch. Hey! Like, is everybody? Yeah, I didn't really. Everybody. I, I would have liked to maybe have heard a round of applause after that or something. I, I just. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's great. And maybe she was trying to be a witness for people on the airplane, and that's fine. But there's also a, a, a twinge of um, mental issues going on if you're standing up in front of a crowd of strangers on an airplane that really don't have a choice to whether or not they listen to you or uh, to say, hey, I'm not a witch anymore, but Jesus <laughs> loves you. Yeah. What I took I mean, from you, that is they were going to Vegas, according to her, I just got good luck. All right. I just got blessed. We're doubling down at the blackjack table, baby. We're heading to the bunny ranch. We got the Jesus oh. blessing. Let's go. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Rick Snyder is the president of the Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 86. He joins us now. Rick, it's been a violent start to 2023. Last year was a violent January as well, but it doesn't feel like the local leadership of this city feels like this is a big deal because I heard our mayor, Joe Hogsett, tell a local TV station, listen, last year was violent too, may have been more violent, and we didn't set a record last year. Is that something that's supposed to make me feel good? No, I think it highlights the cognitive dissonance that uh, people experience, uh, you know, 
in terms of what the residents and visitors of Indianapolis hear from local leaders versus what they see and feel in downtown Indianapolis, Broad Ripple, the malls, the streets, and even in their neighborhoods. Listen, guys, over the weekend, from Friday through Sunday, we had at least 14 people shot, three people stabbed, with four people killed, and there's a fifth that we believe may possibly be, it's being investigated as a homicide of a, uh, of a death investigation where somebody was found with trauma. If those numbers uh, are broken down, you're averaging about four people shot or stabbed every four hours just over this past weekend in our city, and one person killed every 14 hours. And uh, and I think the question that everybody had is where uh, uh, Channel 13 WTHR report said that residents were turning to their local leaders for answers and solutions. And what they heard is, hey, folks, the numbers are moving in the right direction. There's nothing to see here. I think it raises these questions about how are we going to get these numbers, these homicide numbers, back down below 200 uh, when we've had three years in a row of that. And then and the, the trends that we're running already this year put us well over that 200 mark again. There's no sign of this relieving. And we've got to get serious about how are we going to interrupt the violence and put the bad people in jail to keep them from harming other people in the neighborhoods. Hey, Rick, one of the things uh, Mayor Hogsett mentioned was the funding, the technology, and uh, the the investments that have been made and how those are, are, are progressing. And I'm wondering if you could just comment on, on how helpful that uh, aspect has been when fighting crime, but looking down the road, I mean, some of that funding is going to end. What do you, what do you think when the, when the administration makes comments like that? Well, we do see millions upon millions of dollars being uh, shuffled around uh, to different organizations, but also within the city government uh, to uh, so-called violence interrupters. Again, guys, I've made this point before. Our law enforcement officers don't even know the names of these so-called violence interrupters. How are we supposed to be working together and making an improvement? The public doesn't know city employees that are making at least on average $55,000 a year and are supposed to be involved in this formula. Uh, I think it raises a lot of questions about where taxpayer money is going. I think it's, uh, you know, I think most people get that it's being launched uh, in an election year of municipal elections. Um, But the outcomes are what we're always focused on. Remember, guys, these are the same uh, locally elected leaders who rejected a combined collective call for a commission on criminal justice outcomes. Every time we go back to the outcomes, they want to move in the other direction. Rick Snyder, the FOP president, joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Rick, what do you hear from your officers? Because yesterday on our show, we were talking about some of the same issues, the homicide numbers, and the fact that the justice system in Marion County is pretty screwed up. And we had someone who wished to remain anonymous send us a message and say, look, that new jail that they just built, fewer beds, fewer cells. Uh, Deadbeat dads are getting locked up longer than violent felons are. They're getting back out on the street. Are these some of the same stories that your officers are telling you? Well, listen, it's the same story we've been talking about for over three years now. Officers are sick and tired of doing their job, yet seeing the rest of folks in the system not doing theirs. This revolving door of criminal justice is literally killing our city. Our officers are seeing today they're the suspect, tomorrow they're the victim. They also see things like the recent officer shot in Lawrence, Indiana. And what did we find out about that? 
is that the officers were having to go back out and risk their lives again because the suspect in that shooting had been previously released before he even got an initial hearing for a prior crime with a gun where he's alleged to have fired 15 shots into a neighbor's home. You can't make that stuff up. And the question that I think most people have that's a very legitimate question is how does that keep happening time and time again? And this time we had an officer shot. Thank God he survived that. But we could we had multiple more officers that were fired upon, had to engage that suspect in an entire neighborhood that was terrorized uh, by the criminal activity. And, And here's the thing. That officer was saved because he had a trauma kit, a trauma kit that was able to be applied to him with a tourniquet to help save his life. And so while our officers continuing to do their jobs, continuing to risk their lives, again, I'm going to drive you back to the outcomes. Where is our criminal justice system? Where are the courts? Where are the prosecutor showing us their outcomes and the changes they've made to improve the situation? We haven't seen it yet. Would it help if there were more officers on the streets? How are... Um, how is IMPD doing in terms of recruitment? And, and would that make a difference, do you think? Well, well, I think the first thing you see across the nation, including in our city, is that as any community is ravaged by crime and violence, the first step is to make sure that there's a high visibility presence of law enforcement officers. Yes. You have to be able to do that in a city. That reinstills confidence, but it also... It also sends a clear message to the people that are wreaking havoc on the city. But what is happening in Indianapolis, the crossroads of America, the capital city of our state, the criminals, the violent offenders, they follow the path of least resistance. And there is a reason why they're coming in and through Indianapolis. Guys, we just had a pursuit the other night out of Boone County that crossed through our capital city, finally ended over in Greenfield, the central Indiana region being overcome by it. And what was it? A fugitive out of Ohio who's alleged in a homicide and also uh, wanted on uh, uh, reported terroristic threats out of Georgia. Why are these folks coming through Indiana and to Indianapolis should be the question that everyone has. And we're in a situation right now where we're 250 officers down for IMPD. We've got plans with the executive staff and the chief's office. of What do we do when we're down 350 officers? We know we are losing 25 officers this month. Guys, I can tell you there's 11 more officers in the process for lateral transfers to other agencies because the morale at IMPD is in the gutter and it's been driven by this revolving door and the lack of care that's being demonstrated by our local leaders. Remember, guys, Indiana State Police, they're not playing games. They're getting after this issue and they're competing for the limited resource, the limited availability of possible police recruits for hiring purposes. They just put out a recruitment message this morning that says through one badge, a trooper has endless opportunities. Our all-crimes policing team allows troopers to be proactive against crime. Think about that. That's the message that's being utilized to recruit officers. We're actually supportive of encouraging our officers to enforce all crimes and make arrests. And they're going to be overwhelmed by officers applying for them because they're sick and tired of working for politicians who have allowed politics to invade policing where it does not belong. Fraternal Order of Police President Rick Snyder joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Rick, whether it's here or various places around the country, are you seeing a trend of witnesses not wanting to cooperate with the police for fear that this revolving door of the justice system is going to let those same people that they're turning in to get right back out there on the streets and ultimately do harm to them? 
Well, there's no doubt. Just take the Lawrence example. If you're a neighbor that calls the police because somebody has fired 15 rounds, 15 bullets into your home, and you watch that offender come right back out into the neighborhood before they even appear before a judge. Remember, guys, that guy's public criminal uh, uh, history shows that he was released before he ever appeared for his initial hearing and then was placed on GPS monitoring, put right back into your neighborhood. Are you going to call the police? Are you going to feel comfortable and safe enough to cooperate with the police? That is what the bad folks know. That is what the good folks know, and that's what your police know. And, again, we're tying the hands of officers and then saying, now you guys go out there and risk your lives and place yourself in the middle of harm's way. What else do we see? We see number of vehicle pursuits surging and skyrocketing through the roof. Why? Because the bad guys know all I have to do is run away from the police, get away from them, and I have nothing to worry about. We have uh, shifted the, uh, the calculations that are being done by the criminal element. Again, they see the path of least resistance in our capital city, and it's our residents and our visitors that are bearing the consequences of this, and it's now spreading to all these surrounding communities, Avon, Carmel, Noblesville, Greenfield, Greenwood. Just keep naming them off, guys, and folks in those communities know they're seeing crime and violence, the likes of which they've never seen, and it's because it's spilling out from their capital city, and no one seems to give a damn at the local level to help stop the surge of violence that's going on. Rick, last thing here before we let you go. The prosecutor's office, their argument is always people like us that want law and order. Our solution to everything is to lock every single person up for the rest of their lives. We heard Ryan Meir say that during his uh, re-election run in his uh, campaign. What's your response when you hear things like that? It's a stale talking point that doesn't uphold uh, the facts. And here's the facts. You have consistently heard us talk about repeat violent offenders, not first time low level offenders, but repeat violent offenders. And I say this, this is simple. Then then start somewhere. How about you tell us how many crimes involving guns you filed? How many of those charges did you dismiss? And how many of those did you sustain a successful conviction? We've called for that for two years now, and those numbers have never been released. Why is that, guys? Let me further point out that if what that talking point is trying to allege is correct, they would immediately put numbers like that out to show that that we're being false in what we're saying, yet they won't do it. Why? Have you had anybody come forward and show you clearly and concisely where we're wrong and what we're saying? They have not. And I would suggest to you that's why Indianapolis law enforcement across this county, not just IMPD, but all law enforcement, voted. No confidence in the local criminal justice system, no confidence in this local prosecutor. And now we're standing looking at our local leaders saying, what say you? And in the meantime, people are being slaughtered. Officers are being shot, critically injured, and their lives are being threatened. Yet who continues showing up and coming to work every day? Our officers suit up and show up. We just need the residents we serve to wake up and stand up and join us in pushing back on our local officials and our politicians in charge. Rick Snyder, president, the Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 86. Rick, as always, we appreciate your time, your passion, and tell all the officers, Hammer and Nigel Show, and our listeners, we support what they do. Thank you, guys, and thanks to everybody who has helped make those trauma kits possible for our officers. It could have been your kit that saved this officer's life, so thank you to everyone. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer, uh, we here at the show. 
We search for answers to the life's most difficult questions in the world. We do. We're always looking around. We're always curious. We're always asking questions. Questions like, do beavers fart? <laughs> no, seriously, the question is, do, do beavers, the animal, sure, flatulate, listen to what they captured on a nature cam? What you're about to hear is an adorable little beaver in a wooded area settling into the water then it lets one rip bubbles and all. <laughs> Can we hear it one more time, Kyla? Please, is- please. Oh. Just, just imagine the, the beaver, just the extreme amount of relaxation <laughs> and relief that he felt after letting one rip there. So, Kyla, when you go home tonight, <laughs> yeah, our producer, I want you to tell your Kylan. parents, thank you for helping me out during my years of college. Thank you, because every step of the way was worth it. Today, Hammer and Nigel asked me to play the clip of the beaver fart. <laughs> tell your family, thank you, okay? You don't have to say anything. <laughs> this, this career is legit, guys. This is what I went to school for. Dreams do come true. Don't go anywhere. Top stories next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Jim Banks officially announcing his run for U.S. Senate. Mike Braun's vacating that seat to run for governor of Indiana. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. I do think it's interesting that the governor, I'm sorry, that um, that Mike Braun, who I, I can't remember, I think it was before he announced he was governor, he, he was very frustrated that he said he can't get anything done in the Senate. I'm interested to find out what Jim Banks would do differently than Mike Braun. Does Mike Braun, does Mike, was Mike Braun wrong? Does Jim Banks think he can get more done in the Senate? That's why Mike Braun's coming back to Indiana to run for governor is because he was very frustrated in the Senate, but um, he is the first major player to officially declare his run. It's, things are going to get heated here in this city, in this state. Uh, there's a bunch of open seats from mayors to uh, you know the house the senate republic uh governor and uh I, I, you know banks is a guy that just lost his bid for his um his position in the house the whip position and and maybe he thinks he's hit a ceiling over there and he can't be more effective as, as one of the most 100 powerful people in the country hammer and he spoke with Tony Katz earlier, and we have Tony coming up uh, just a few minutes here. He's coming up at 533. If you heard that interview and there's something that you weren't satisfied with or you didn't get clarification on, let us know. Because Jim Banks is going to be joining us tomorrow live on this show at 335. So if there's something you want us to ask to Jim Banks, something you haven't heard yet, please let us know. And we'll pass that on and we'll have that conversation tomorrow. But uh, you're right, man. There are some big names in Indiana politics in play here. So you look at this Senate race, you could potentially have Jim Banks against Mitch Daniels, possibly Victoria Sparts. 
I think there's a big difference, a big drop-off between the popularity of the first two people that we mentioned and Victoria Sparts, but it's still a big name. It's a member of the House of Representatives. Well, what about Holcomb? I mean, what about Holcomb, him? Well, I mean, are we including Is this running mate going to be Malik Muhammad? <laughs> Is he going to get up there on the debate stage and look around, see an awful lot of human Petri dishes up here, don't I? I don't think you're running for Senate. You have uh, running mates. Let's be fair, Hammer. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, but no, I think that he's out of his league here. And I think if anything, you're going to see the Holcomb group kind of put a Holcomb's lot of, of their energy behind uh, Victoria Crouch. I'm sorry, Suzanne Crouch, Crouch. to run for governor. You know, Abdul, who joins us every Friday, he believes she's the front runner for governor. I disagree completely. I think it's Mike Braun at this time, but we still got a long way to go. Um, so earlier, you had a press conference with Ha 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 at the White House. And NBC News' Peter Alexander was a little curious about Garage Gate. Okay. And I think he asks a fair question. NBC News, Peter Alexander, certainly no friend to the conservative, the way that he's covered politics over the last six years. But this was an interesting question. Why should should not Americans be upset about the documents found in old Joe Biden's garage? The White House says Republicans are faking outrage on this issue. Why shouldn't Americans be outraged about classified documents being found in a garage? Look, And I think I've been very clear about this. We have answered questions on this at this podium. You've heard, as Phil was saying twice from the president, talk about this. He said that he didn't know, right? He said that he was surprised, and he said that he takes classified information and documents very, very seriously. We heard directly from the president on this issue. That's why I'm asking, though, because you've said that you don't want to interfere here and be prudent about the process. But the White House did post a statement saying that Republicans are faking outrage. So to that point, why why shouldn't Americans be upset about documents found in a garage? That's for uh, that's for the American people to decide. We've decided we're upset. Yeah. And not only that, (laughs) I think we're I think we're talking about two different things here. I, I think we're upset. Joe Biden's trying to say, oh, I didn't know. We're, we're a very transparent administration. We didn't know. Well, why didn't you say anything when you started being investigated before the uh, midterm elections? Y'all knew about it before the election. Somehow that didn't make its way into the, into the, into the, into the media. And has Joe and, Biden called his actions irresponsible yet? Because he used yeah. that word an awful I mean, lot when he's talking about Donald Trump. Yeah, you have, you have Donald Trump, who's the president of the United States of America, who's allowed to declassify any documents that he wants, and had the documents under lock and key in Mar-a-Lago, but yet somehow he was still raided. And uh, Joe Biden, nothing of the sort. He's got his own people looking at these documents. He's got his own lawyers rifling through these things. But, you know, who don't have the classified uh, clearance exactly. to do so, by the way. So I think people, I think the outrage, I think the outrage is a hypocrisy. Because I honestly don't know if anything major is going to come from what's in these documents, although some of them reported it having to do, do to do with Ukraine, as his time as vice president when his son was making deals with Ukraine, sitting on energy boards, possibly trading favors at, and access to his old man who was uh, in charge of Ukraine policy back then. The big guy. Yeah, of course. 10% kickback to the big guy. Lost in all of the coverage over GarageGate and what's happening here with Indiana politics is the report of the border came out. And in December, 
and I think this is a very generous number, over 250,000 illegal encounters Ooh. took place at the border. That's the highest month ever and marks 10 months with illegal encounters being above 200,000. And worse yet, that number doesn't include at least 65,000 known illegal gotaways. Just in December, the gotaways? Correct. Wow. But, you know, they say they've got a handle on everything down there. They don't have a handle on it. They don't want to have a handle on it. This is organized chaos. Our cities are being undermined, and we don't deserve this. Migrants don't deserve this. And the people who live in the cities don't deserve this. So that's New York's mayor going down to the border and saying, whoa, 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 stop sending them here. We don't deserve this. We don't have any room for you. Don't come to New York. He wasn't singing that tune no. not that long and ago. He's totally still, different. He still says New York City's a sanctuary city. He still says it is. We're just we're not just, going to yeah, we just don't want sanctuary you. you. <laughs> yeah, we just don't want you. It's a sanctuary city. Don't get us wrong, but we don't want you here. I'm going to go to a restaurant and say, you know, I want to pay, but I'm not going to pay and see how that goes. I'll do it in New York and I'll use that same logic. Oh, baby, this is going to be fun. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. And joining us now on the DriveHubler.com hotline, friend of our show, he's been on with us a number of times. It's always fun when Brett Michaels calls into the DriveHubler.com hotline. Brett, what's going on, man? Hello, hello, it's Brett. How are you doing, guys? Man, we're doing good. It's awesome to hear from you. Brett, I think the last time we spoke was about a year ago, and we talked about Carb Day at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I want to bring this up again, because when I heard you were coming back uh, to Indy, July 30th at the Ruoff Music Center up in Noblesville, the first thing I thought of was, I want to go because I want to experience the Carb Day type of show that you put on. Uh, It was the biggest Carb Day concert they've ever had at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The most people that have showed up. I was there. I was shirtless. I had cases of beer. There were girls next to me, Brett, who were shirtless and also had cases of beer. And that was a hell of a show. And I'm so looking forward to you coming back to Indy. You just described party girl. So, first of all, I got, if you could see right now, I got the chills up and down the arm. That that day, that feel, capture that feel, right? That's exactly what party girl, Mardi Gras is. It is beads, bandanas. It is a all killer hits, no filler. When I say that, I just want fans to know this is they're coming to a show that the party starts in the parking lot. So get ready for this. I've designed a I took an old golf cart. I put a Tiki Hut roof (laughs) and a Nerf basketball basket on the back. I'm not making this up. We always do this when it's a Brett Michaels concert. Right. I go out into the parking lot. We we got cameras rolling and we throw people the Nerf football while it's moving. And there's a big tailgate party. If one of them hits a swish, they got backstage passes. It is, it's a party. Then we got the karaoke, dress like Brett karaoke contest. And if they can nail in 30 seconds any of the chorus to nothing but a good time, we bring them on stage to sing it with all the bands at the end of the night. We, 
this is a celebration of the fans, bands, and the music. And what you just described at Carb Day, which is, I'm going to go on record, one of the best days of my life. I'm telling you, had to. I never. I don't think I ever left there. Eventually, we had to go do another show. They had to drag me out of there. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, this is way. I was barbecuing, party backstage. It was awesome. So that's what Party Grawl is. When we come to see you on that Sunday, one of my favorite venues, and I know it's often voted one of the best venues. There's a reason. It just has a really. I call it nothing but a good vibe there, and that's what this is going to be with Night Ranger and Jefferson Starship and Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray, Steve Ajari from Journey. We're all enjoying each other, playing hits all day long on stage, and just just a really high-energy good party. And Here's what I love about the shows that you do, Brett, the shows you've done with Poison. It's about the fans. Because sometimes, and we've, we've all been there, you pay money to see an artist, and they kind of mail in the hits. Or they give you like the hit medley, and you don't hear the songs that you really identify with. That's not the case when somebody buys buys a ticket to watch you perform. It's about the fans, and that's why I think so many people relate to you and keep coming back. First of all, thank you. Again, second chill bump right there. It's happening. <laughs> I, I want to say, that for real, it is. this is what I want to say. If, if they were to look in my head and say, what's happening? I'm a fan of music. So when I go on that stage, like the stadium tour, I hit that stage. I was a fan with them. I said, I can't stop smiling. I'm out here with people I love. Joan Jett, Def Leppard, Motley, out here in this new band, Classless Act. They were great. And I just want to say that's the vibe of party. And I relate because they am. There's no separation. And I want to give them what I would like to see. I want to see a big show. I want to experience it. But can I be honest? That sincereness of taking a second to tell them a story behind every rose or something to believe in, but keeping that energy level from the minute they get there. Like, you you want the minute they get there to have a great time. And each band that's on this show, I called them individually long before it ever got to management or agents and all that stuff. And I said, look, I'm doing something I created and produced with Live Nation. I want to bring it out so it's a fans, a celebration of the fans, the bands, and the music. And that's what I want it to be. It's that simple. And everybody has been incredibly great. Everyone's like, what can we do? What songs? I said, here's the deal. All killer hits, no filler. And then roll back in with me in my set. I'll hit the stage. I'll sing three or four poison hits. Boom, I throw the mic over. All of a sudden, it's Steve Ajari from Journey. He starts singing hits. I stay up there and play the guitar to his hits. Next thing you know, it's Mark McGrath, and it's Night Ranger, Starship. It's it's a good time. Brett Michaels with us. The Party Gras Tour coming to the Ruoff Music Center Sunday, July 30th. The new single is called Back in the Day. Now, this drops tomorrow at 1 o'clock on your official YouTube channel. What is Back in the Day? Simple. I wrote this. I'm always continuously writing new music. And Back in the Day, it just has this incredible, it's a road trip feel-good anthem and uh, it's just this raw energetic lick straight music it just is a good it, it's just a feel-good it'll beat the winter blues song how's that sound? <laughs> it's a 
it's a song that when you hear it, you go, it, it relates to music. It relates to us having, if you remember you, your friends, everybody going somewhere for me growing up in the Northeast. Um, when that springtime or summer hit, getting with all my friends, driving down to Wildwood, New Jersey, along the turnpike, uh, you know, windows down, cranking the music and singing. And that's that's what this song is. And it's about when you see the video, it's about then and to now and still being relevant because having a good feeling and a good time with people, especially as we come out of this pandemic, we realize how sacred that is, you know, to be able to go to a sporting event, to be able to go to a concert with your friends. And that's what this song is about, is that all of us just it. I can't even explain it more than that. And the video, when they see the debut of the video, it's a, a tip of the hat. Um, modern day throwback to the early MTV video days with the green screen and it's got the, the pop-up captions, it's got never before seen images of me rocking with my first garage bands it literally in the garage and then bringing it all the way up to the stadium tour. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now you mentioned sporting events just a moment ago. I know you're a big NFL guy. Uh, your song, Get Your Game On, is currently airing on Good Morning Football you're a Steelers fan. I'm a Colts fan. Let's be honest, Brett. It sucks when your team's not in the playoffs, right? I'm not going to lie. It sucks. It, <laughs> it, let me say this. I'm, I'm a I'm a believer. I know you are. I'm a believer. I'm not I'm not a fair weather guy. Right. I'm, I'm a loyal dude. You would want me as a friend. I'm a loyal guy. However, I'm not going to lie. When when you start to knowing this was a transitional season for the Steelers, I'm saying. It, it was. We. It's a learning curve. Mike's a great coach. We're, we'll get it together. I know it. Kenny's a great quarterback. The team's good. And I just want to say for me as a sports fanatic, and I, I mean all sports from I've raced motocross, baseball, football, soccer, hockey. I love even my oldest daughter is now working with ESPN+. ESPN Plus. Uh, with uh, the San Diego Seals uh, National Lacrosse League. And that game, I don't know if you ever watched the lacrosse, the pro matches. I, I said this is like a prize fight meets, uh, meets a rock concert, uh, meets hockey. Like it's like they had a baby. It is incredible to watch. Well, Brett, we're excited for you to come to Indy again. Sunday, July 30th, it's the Party Gras Tour, Ruoff Music Center. Tickets on sale at LiveNation.com. The single drops tomorrow. And one last thing before we let you go, I know you have to run, but thank you so much for doing what you do for veterans. I know that's important to you, and it's important for our audience, so thank you for that. I just want to say thank you for mentioning that. I'm the son of a veteran. My whole family serves my father uh, through the conflicts. I mean, cousin Bobby that works with me, two Purple Hearts. And I'm just saying uh, my sister's off at Air Force Base. And I just want to say to our veterans, we do a lot. We bring them on stage. I make it never political, no policy, just a thank you. Big thank you for our freedoms and how awesome our veterans are. So thank you for bringing that up. The Party Gras Tour, July 30th, up in Noblesville. Brett Michaels, my man, thank you so much. Hey, thank you. You have an awesome day and happy new year. You too. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Pretty boy, Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Tony Katz in studio for Tuesdays with Tony. How are you, sir? I'm glorious. It's weird being in studio, though. But congratulations on the Bloomington edition. Like, your show is now heard down in Bloomington. I am adored by at least three IU professors. (laughs) (laughs) I am. WGCL. Did your studio get messed up at home by the flood? No, the whole, how, the whole the house, house got, is messed up. Got, well, not, I should say half the house got pretty messed up. So they're putting back sheetrock. They're putting back trim. Oh, they're yeah. painting. You can't do the you show. You can't more. do a show on somebody laying sheetrock in the background. Right? Come on, right? man. You could, you could do like your show when someone's puking or dropping a deuce or, <laughs> or something like that. I do have a I heard you talking about this earlier today. What is this What is this group that is coming out swinging against uh, former Governor Mitch Daniels? And, oh, Club uh, for Growth. Yeah. Yeah, you know his potential run for Senate. He hasn't announced he's running for Senate yet. No, this, this is, is a, they're coming out swinging early. Was, what is it was this? A, it was a very, very, very preemptive strike from David McIntosh and Club for Growth. And Club for Growth has been involved in politics, supporting candidates. Club for Growth was involved in Victoria Sparks's. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, in in her race, it got me choked up just thinking about it. Uh, in 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 work, I think has done some work with with uh, Congressman Jim Banks, who announced today that he's running for senator. Um, um, the 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 argument that they're making is is that Mitch was a Republican for his day, but that day is not today. He's not strong enough. He's not firm enough. He doesn't hit on the social issues. He's just a a kind of mamby pamby Republican and everything that we don't want. It's an interesting argument to make that somebody who had uh, yeah. such success, hold on, just just had their success, then can they, you know. Uh, uh, achieve success with today's Republican audience. But that's to discount the massive amount of of name ID and goodwill Mitch has in the state. I was going to say, people love Mitch. My man Mitch, right? So I still remember that slogan speaks volumes, but I think there is something to the argument that is Mitch Daniels like the fisherman story. Like every year, a fisherman will tell a story about how big that fish got, and every year it gets bigger and bigger. The legacy of Mitch Daniels, I feel like, is kind of the same thing here. Yes, popular dude. Everybody loved him at Purdue. But let's not forget, he raised a little bit of taxes around here, too. I can make an argument on any candidate of things that they've done wrong. Yeah. But if you want to say that the legacy conversation, it's like the the ghost of Ronald Reagan. It always drove me crazy when people say, well, they're no Ronald Reagan. You can't run against a ghost. You, you'll, you'll never be able to catch up and make that happen. What Mitch has is 10 years of Purdue of keeping prices down and making that university better and better. So he still has a very recent valuable uh, 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 CV. I, I, so this this attack was was weirdly 
was strange. Now, I don't think it was weirdly done. I think it was strange. I think that it's possible that people like us are talking about it more than Hoosiers are talking about yeah. it. I don't think it's the kind of thing that keeps Mitch Daniels out of a race. That's not to say that Mitch Daniels is in it. I just think that that, that ad in and of itself or anything that Club for Growth wants to throw doesn't necessarily uh, mean that Mitch won't run. I think what it means is that WIBC is going to make a boatload of money. <laughs> All right. So let's say yeah. we're walking up to Jason Hammer's casino and I've got betting odds for the Indiana Senate race. Tony, for argument's sake, let's say all of our favorite TV pals are in this thing. Victoria Sparks, Jim Banks, Mitch Daniels. Who's the favorite Holcomb. on the board? Holcomb's not in this. You know, to, he no. said he said all of our favorites. <laughs> so could, could we please? <laughs> okay, um, fine. And he also uh, Hammer also said Republicans. Oh. So <laughs> too soon? Right, yeah, too no, soon? No, no, I'm gonna work on my Rob Kendall impression. How am I doing? <laughs> How am I doing so far? Uh, oh, that, uh, so so if I was ranking them, um, Victoria Sparks is in third. And I'm not so sure Sparks gets into this race if Mitch Daniels does. It feels like there's a big drop-off between two and three. I, I would also, I, I question whether Sparks is going to get into this race at all. Um, I would, I would right now, and, and I, I don't think, I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to play coy. Right now I'm a bit push because I don't have any inkling that the Mitch Daniels name brings a lot of negativity to it. However, part of the when you spend your time in central Indiana problem is that you have no, you, you really lose track of where the north is and where the south is. They are very different beasts than central Indiana. So that Mitch Daniels may be lauded here may not be the case in Elkhart. And so it may require from us a little more digging and fishing and understanding and talking to people to get an idea of where they're at. Does Jim Banks' friendship affiliation with Donald Trump help or hurt him in this race? I I don't think it hurts him at all. I don't think it hurts him at all because there's no escape from it. You're already at that place. It's not like something new can get discovered. There are no documents next to the Corvette in in his house. You already know everything that you know there. And those arguments are Democrats' arguments for a general election. It'll have near, near zero effect in a primary. Why do you say, I heard you say in your show earlier today that this is going to be one of the most hottest races in the country in terms oh. of a GOP primary? Why do you think that? Mitch versus Banks? Yeah. That's real money. Real money is going to get thrown at this. People are going to take sides. As you're talking about it, uh, Hammer, where does Mitch McConnell uh, fall on this? And where does he put his PAC money? Uh, groups like Club for Growth, and you know there are other groups that will be out there throwing money uh, at this who we did I mention the boatload of cash WIBC? Contact Everybody except Nigel's getting a raise right now at WIBC. Make the checkout to Hammer. Damn it. Uh, you mentioned the uh, Corvette a little bit earlier. Uh, where are we at with the? garage gate scandal because it feels like every day we find out a little bit more information and none of it's good for joe biden uh but it doesn't feel like that same vitriol that same anger and angst is there from the national media in regards to the different locations where these documents were at compared to melania's panty drawer at mar-a-lago so uh, first of all wow what a visual (laughs) 
You are you are a poet. <laughs> I He's had, a wordsmith. I had a conversation with Leland Vitter today from from News Nation. You guys have both done yeah. a lot of work with with News Nation over the past year or, or so, and about this idea of anger. Because I see the press corps as actually extremely angry in that they were lied to. Now, you, what you are referring to, Hammer, is the idea of the talking head class. Right. Right. The All Joy Reads of correct. the world. They, have a, they play a much different game. They're in a much different place. They will defend to the bitter end because their business is about attacking the other guy. So they have to defend this or ignore this to attack the other one. And you've seen how people play that game uh, out there. The press corps, they're angry as can be. And part of the issue is that they not only, did, not only did they get lied to. I mean, you could argue they got duped and they got lied to. It's that they can't get information. Everything that Corinne Jean-Pierre says, everything she says about, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it from here. It's an ongoing investigation. As Jonathan Turley of George, uh, George Washington Law uh, pointed out, uh, she could talk about anything she wants. She's not talking about anything that isn't public domain. She's not. She's protecting Joe yeah. Biden. Now, maybe Joe Biden shouldn't say anything. Maybe she can't she talk can. about it because she's not good at her job. Oh, she's <laughs> awful at her job. But maybe they're angry. they're angry because of the promise of transparency from the administration. Which yeah. is, of course... Zero. Yes. And I I am, like you, left to wonder, when I hear last week that they find more documents, what was happening between November 2nd, when the first document was found, and today, where's the FBI? Do you need to raid? I don't know, but you raided Trump, so, you know, good for the goose and gander and all the goose and gander stuff. Where's the FBI? How come they haven't been looking? How is it possible that new documents are now being found. Mind scramble. Why are Biden's lawyers looking at these documents? Another great question. Lawyers who do not have security clearance. Right. Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz with us here on the Hammer in Nigel Might as well show. have you and, uh, you yeah, and Hammer know, doing it, Nigel. <laughs> you guys I, can I get back say, to bed in, go hey, through some documents. Right. You know, Tony, I would say my prediction is either way, with Trump or Biden, there's probably not a lot in there. There's no nuclear codes in there. But I guess right now that's not the point, is it? We know that we know that some of the documents involve conversations about Ukraine. Yes, some of the documents were 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 labeled classified TSSCI, which means specialized compartment compartmentalized information, which has to be read opened and read and utilized only in a skiff. That's a secure room inside a secure room, right? It's a mystery inside a riddle, wrapped inside an enigma. That's the level of, <laughs> of, of safety you're supposed to have. And Hunter Biden, who has deals with Ukraine and China, was in the house where these documents were. I, I think that you have the potential for anything being possible, and we should be looking at it as a national security issue. What do you got coming up on the big shows tomorrow, Tom? Oh, Lord, if I know... I know I was talking about today that uh, you talk about the Corvette. Uh, GM is coming out with the hybrid, $104,000 at the start, and zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds. And I'm going to discuss uh, why Greta Thunberg thinks that that's okay. (laughs) I I swear to God, I thought Tony was going to say, I'm going to discuss why I don't have one yet. That's 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 also a problem. We should all be in Corvettes, shouldn't we? (laughs) Right. Corvette Wednesday here at 93 WIBC. Give me a Tahoe any day of the week. Really? Yeah, gas guzzling Tahoe. That's all I want, man. That's, that's going to be the next one. You are just terrible. His cardboard cut out of Rumsfeld sitting right there in the passenger seat. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
He's on social media at Tony Katz, and you can now hear him in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, I'm sure Mike Woodson's got it on the radio right now. He better. Tony Katz, thank you. Always. Sam or Nigel show. Sam or Nigel show. An entire hour of the show coming up after 6 o'clock. My name is Nigel Jason Hammer. Right over there. Do you have Alexa in your house? Oh, I love it. Absolutely, yes. Really? We had the Christmas lights hooked up to it. So, you know, we would say the name. I'm not going to say it because it would trigger it in people's houses. And uh, blank, (laughs) turn on the Christmas lights, and boom, the whole house will light up. I remember a couple years ago, I sort of got somebody named, maybe Alexa Green on Fox 59 or something. My wife was watching it, and we ended up, they were doing a story on the shortage of toilet paper. And somehow, because her name was Alexa, uh, that uh, we ended up getting a shipment of toilet paper to our house. <laughs> I swear it happened. And we kept it, but I, well, sure. my wife doesn't remember. Was that during the great crisis of the yes, pandemic when people great. were killing each other in cold blood just to wipe their butt? There's a new study that shows that it's actually good to be grumpy, which uh, I figure if that's the case... Uh, then you should be Albert Einstein, right? Yes. I'm the healthiest, smartest guy alive. A bad mood makes us more detail-oriented, is what this study says, Hammer. Okay. And uh, we were wondering what a grumpy Alexa might sound like when talking about this story. Hey, Alexa, what's the weather? Look for a steady stream of look up the weather yourself, you lazy loser. (laughs) Wait, what? You may not be the best. You may not be the brightest. End of list. I mean, what did I... You always exceed expectations. Of how annoying you can be. That's enough. You're good at letting things go. Starting with yourself. I think we're done here. (laughs) You don't need to worry about the zombie apocalypse. They only want people with brains. Quiet, please. You dance like no one's watching. Unfortunately for everyone who is. That's enough. You're like a star. You think you're really bright. But you're just full of hot gas. You want me to unplug wow. you? I wish I could unplug myself every time you start talking to me. I'd rather rather have grumpy Alexa. I think I would too. Grumpy Alexa excites me just a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like mean grumpy Alexa. Real quick, I just saw this little blurb, uh, this headline that that meth abusers like to read. And the story is two libraries in Colorado are closing to clean after meth residue was found on various surfaces throughout the throughout the library. Yeah, I got news for you. They're not reading in the library. They're doing math. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.